Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is George Kavanagh, and this is the GCRC Network, the Gulf Coast's best podcast for all things coastal. You know, we always have a lot of critical information we can talk about when it comes to our beautiful Gulf Coast region. But I have to tell you, this next series of podcasts that we're going to produce is probably going to be some of the most critical information you could listen to. And I have to be perfectly honest with you, the citizens of Louisiana need to pay attention. We're going to spend this series of podcasts discussing the proposed Mid-Barataria and Mid-Breton large-scale Mississippi River diversion projects that have been pushed for years by the Louisiana Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority better known as the CPRA, along with some other so-called quote-unquote environmental groups. Now, to talk about the Mid-Breton and Mid-Barataria River Diversion Projects, we're going to have to spend a little time talking about the history of the fight that's gone on with these two projects for nearly a decade. And you're going to need to know some background information that most of the general public isn't aware of. Now, we'll tell you that This podcast won't be your typical radio show or podcast that you're used to hearing over the years about these projects or even Louisiana's coastal crisis that have helped perpetuate the myths and cute marketing cliches that have helped shape public opinion and information about these projects and enabled the CPRA to, so far, spend $90 million on these two projects without even having obtained a permit. Now, I'll tell you, the story of these projects has everything that makes a great Hollywood movie for all intents and purposes. Political intrigue, international attention, David versus Goliath type battles that have gone on behind the scenes. It really is an interesting story. What we hope to accomplish with these podcasts is to finally enable the general public to have the facts. In this podcast series, we're going to have a great lineup of guests, people who have been in the thick of this controversy over these projects for nearly a decade. And in this introductory podcast, we're going to tackle the draft environmental impact statement for the Mid-Barataria River Diversion that was just released in March. Now, like it or not, this document is the science and the facts that will be used to make a determination whether or not this project moves forward with a permit or not. We're going to give you the 10,000 foot level overview of this massive document this episode. We're going to let you know about the sections you need to know about. We'll talk about the outline, public purpose and need, potential land building benefits of this project. We'll talk about shrimp, oysters, dolphins, the economy. And in episodes to follow in this series, We'll break each of these sections down in even more detail with expert guests that will hopefully be able to explain everything, hopefully simply. (laughs) It is a lot, ladies and gentlemen, but we're going to do our best to break it down for you with the information you need to know, despite all of the marketing and public relations that have gone on with these projects. And by the end, you'll have, like we said, the facts. Suffice it to say, everything you think you know about large-scale river diversions, well, let's just say you'll be surprised. All right, we're coming up against the clock. We're going to take a short break. Stick with us, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to our commercials. They're our business sponsors. We love them. You should love them, too. 
And when we come back, we'll get into it. I'm George Kavanagh, and this is the GCRC Network. We'll be right back. Gulf Coast Resource Coalition is helping lead the fight against two large Mississippi River diversion projects planned in Louisiana. 2019 spillway disaster showed everyone exactly what the polluted Mississippi River will do to our communities, businesses, and resources. And these new projects will operate nonstop, year after year, affecting more than just Louisiana. They'll cause large economic losses in four Gulf Coast states. So whether your business is in tourism, restaurants, seafood, or many of the other businesses that rely so heavily on our waterfront-based economy. Too much is at stake and we need your help. Please consider becoming a business sponsor of our nonprofit. You'll get great advertising benefits and you'll help us continue the fight for our Gulf Coast and your business. Please visit us at gulfcoastresource.org. That's gulfcoastresource.org and click business sponsorship to learn more. Thank you. Imagine an adventure only five miles from downtown New Orleans. Imagine traveling beyond the end of the world where outdoor adventure begins. Imagine history coming to life at the Chalmette Battlefield. Imagine exploring the great outdoors at the State Park or discovering cultural heritage at the Islenos Village. Imagine your event at one of our premier facilities. Feed your soul in Louisiana's most historic parish, St. Bernard. Discover more at visitstbernard.com. The Elegant Pearl Hotel in Bay St. Louis, with 53 rooms, six suites, event space, a lush courtyard and pool complete with private cabanas, two acclaimed restaurants that has something for everyone, and is sure to leave you revived, inspired, and dreaming of your next beachside escape. The Pearl Hotel, located at 104 North Beach Boulevard in Bay St. Louis. Visit pearlbsl.com or call 288-688-0400 for more info. Sure to delight your taste buds, Hot Rods Creole, the way to Creole. Rodney Beloso started by cooking for friends. Now Hot Rods Creole is a full-fledged culinary revolution. With seasonings, sauces, and mixes like garlic butter, seafood boil, and their award-winning jambalaya. Find a retailer near you or shop online, hotrodscreole.com, hotrodscreole.com, Hot Rods Creole, the way to Creole. everybody it's george kavanagh and the gcrc network we're back with the gulf coast best and i dare say coolest coastal podcast with bumper music like that but let's get into it we said at the top of the show this introductory episode of the series is going to be dedicated to trying to simply break down the draft environmental impact statement for the mid-barataria large-scale mississippi river diversion that was just released in march Now, for those in the public who don't know what an environmental impact statement is, whenever a project applies for a permit to be built and it has the potential to cause grave harm to the human environment around it, an in-depth 
scientific study has to be generated for the project that outlines what potential benefits the project may bring, as well as outlines what harm the project can cause. Now, in this particular case, the Mid-Barataria River Diversion Project is so unprecedented and complicated. Literally, years of scientific study have gone into producing this document. The environmental impact statement for the Mid-Barataria Project is massive. To give you an idea of how massive, the table of contents is 38 pages long. If that gives you any idea just how massive this document is. And honestly, in my opinion, I think they count on the general public not having the time to delve too deeply into it. Now, as we break down this into the sections you need to know about this over 6,000 page document, we're going to draw directly from the pages where the facts are all laid out in black and white. So you can be able to weed through all the propaganda and public relations work that the CPRA and these so-called caring environmental groups pump out continually on this project to put lipstick on a pig, for lack of a better term. Now, if you remember one thing from this show today, and I'm going to ask this of you because it's very important. If you remember one thing from this show, remember that the facts outlined are coming directly from the science that will determine whether or not this project gets a permit. The debate over what these projects will produce, as well as what these projects will cause to our economy and natural resources, is over. Plain and simple, the debate is over because the science is thoroughly outlined in this document and that will be used in the decision-making process. Now, the reason I mention this, and it is so important, is because over the years of this controversy, like I said, nearly a decade, a lot of the public support for these large-scale river diversion projects has come from a lot of slick marketing that has perpetuated a lot of falsehoods that have become glaringly obvious now that the environmental impact statement has been released. And I have to tell you, they have done such a great job over the years controlling the narrative with propaganda and the like, that even to this day, even after the environmental impact statement science has been out for over 60 days, when we post facts from this document, we still get comments from the general public defending these projects with some of those same myths and falsehoods that have been perpetuated. Even when the information is right there in front of them in black and white. And even after we all just literally witnessed with our own eyes in 2019 with the Bonacari spillway opening, what the polluted Mississippi River water will do. Over half a billion dollars in fisheries disasters across multiple Gulf Coast states. Dead dolphins, shrimp, oysters, algal blooms, shutting down beaches, and causing human and animal health risks. That is the very definition of gaslighting. Incredible. In fact, we're going to do an entire episode in this series dedicated to the myths and falsehoods over these river diversions and give you the facts directly from governmental documents 
and studies. Because if we don't change this narrative now with the facts, the people of Louisiana, as well as the rest of the Gulf Coast, are going to wake up $4 billion later, and it will be too late. All right, enough of my passionate diatribe. Like I said, we're going to draw directly from the environmental impact statement. So if you'd like to follow along with the actual document, the easiest way to do that is with the executive summary. And you can find that link right on our website at gulfcoastresource.org and simply click on comment on EIS and the link will be right there for you. The first important section we'll cover is the stated purpose and need for the project which federal law says you have to state whenever you apply for a permit. Now, we can't get past page two of the executive summary without having a big problem. The stated purpose and need for the Mid-Barataria large-scale river diversion is to restore for damages caused by the BP oil spill. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for a moment because anyone who remembers what occurred during the BP oil spill knows exactly what happened. The Barataria estuary was devastated, one of the largest producing estuaries in North America. Dolphins, shrimp, oysters dead, marsh grasses irreparably harmed, an unprecedented economic and ecological disaster for which we were awarded billions of dollars through federal court with the BP oil spill settlement. And the CPRA plans on using these funds to pay for this project. We have a huge problem with that. When you look at the damages that the Mid-Barataria project will cause, according to the Environmental Impact Statement Science, if you put that list of damages up against the list of damages caused by the BP oil spill, for which we were awarded that money, the list is almost exactly the same. And they're attempting to use $2 billion of these funds to finish permanently decimating the Barataria estuary. In fact, when we get into later more detailed episodes on land building, you'll learn that the CPRA was just forced to pay $21 million for a project to restore and protect federal wetlands in the Barataria Basin that were damaged due to their irresponsible use of the Davis Pond Mississippi River diversion during the BP oil spill. Now mentioning that little $21 million problem that the media and these environmental groups in the CPRA don't let you know about is actually a great segue right into the next most important section of the environmental impact statement, which is what land building can be expected from your $2 billion investment in the Mid-Barataria River Diversion Project. Now, this part is critical because these projects are continually hyped by the CPRA and these so-called caring environmental groups as our only chance of addressing the subsidence and erosion of our wetlands, as well as the only answer to our need for hurricane storm surge protection from our wetlands buffer. Now, reading directly from the environmental impact statement. By 2070, 50 years from now, land created by the project in the basin is projected to be approximately 13,400 acres, 
Now, keep in mind, something like the Mid-Barataria River Diversion Project has never been attempted. So all of these land gain estimates in the environmental impact statement are solely based on computer models. And the end result of those models is solely contingent on the data that's put into the models. And later on during our detailed episode on this section of the EIS, with a very highly respected coastal scientist in Louisiana for the last 45 years, you'll learn that there's still a lot of debate in the coastal science community over whether or not these models were calibrated correctly and the actual land gain estimate should be zero after 50 years. In fact, a funny aside story, well, a disgusting aside story, really, is that a couple of years ago, the award-winning coastal engineer, Gary Brown, in a study for the Corps of Engineers known as the Erdic study, actually called the CPRA out on their modeling because they were trying to include freshwater vegetation as part of their land gain estimates. But we're going to give them the 13,000 acres as listed in the current draft environmental impact statement. Now, that sounds like an incredible figure to people in the general public who aren't aware of exactly how much acreage is in the basin and what that looks like on the map for wetlands. In fact, if you go to our Facebook page at Gulf Coast Resource Coalition, you'll see that on Friday, April 30th, we posted a picture of the map with a minuscule red dot representing that 13,000 acres on the map. That's a paltry 2% of the total wetlands acreage in the Barataria Basin. That's not a lot of land for your $2 billion. And the next critical piece of information you need to know is that the land created utilizing this project will be less resistant to storm surge than the existing brackish and saline marsh grasses, which the fresh water pumping out of this project will affect and destroy. 13,000 acres equates to 21 square miles. And during Katrina in the Breton Basin, we lost 42 square miles overnight because the existing Carnarvon Mississippi River diversion and the polluted Mississippi River water affected the root systems of the healthy brackish marsh already existing and it rolled up like a carpet. So common sense will tell you that even if this project does create this magical 13,000 acres, it won't be vegetation that can stand up to storm surge. Now in addition to the Mid-Barataria River diversion potentially causing that kind of land loss in the basin further out from the structure. There's also another critical component of land loss that you need to be aware of in the EIS. And I'll read again directly from the page. By contrast, in the Birdfoot Delta, operation of the Mid-Barataria project is estimated to induce approximately 3,000 acres of land loss by 2070, a 45% reduction. Now, why is that? You're going to ask, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why that is, and I'll try to make the explanation as simple as possible. There is only so much sediment in the Mississippi River flowing through at any given time. If you take sediment from the river further north with this project, you're robbing it from further south down the river. 
And that's what's going to cause the massive loss of land in the Birdfoot Delta. In other words, they are literally trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. Oh, and $2 billion in additional contracts, of course. And last but not least, let's talk about storm hazards and risk reduction from storm surge. And again, I'm going to read directly from the environmental impact statement. The facts. And I quote, The decrease in surge elevation and wave height north of the diversion is not projected to be substantial enough to prevent overtopping of the levee as it was designed and built to reduce the risk of hurricane and storm damage for either a 50-year storm or a 25-year storm. In other words, we already have 100-year protection. This will not produce anything that will do any better than what we already have. Now, conversely, and I'll quote again, south of the outfall area, by increasing storm surge, the Mid-Barataria project will cause maximum water levels to overtop some levee reaches, which would not otherwise be overtopped without this project. In other words, south of the structure, it's going to increase storm surge and put communities further at risk than they already are. Now, I don't know about you. When I read that, I want to know what the hell am I getting for my $2 billion? Which leads us right into our next section of the environmental impact statement. What you're going to get for your $2 billion. The shaft. Now, <laughs> I'm not making light of this at all, ladies and gentlemen. These next sections of the environmental impact statement are what you're getting in return for what you just heard. Let's talk about oysters first. And again, I'm going to read directly from the document. The oyster fishery in the project area is expected to experience major, permanent, adverse impacts under the proposed project. Now, I have to tell you, through the years of this fight, I have never seen the public perk up and pay attention more to how awful the Mississippi River is in our sensitive estuaries than during the 2019 Bonacari spillway tragedy. Man, when the public went to their favorite restaurant and tried to get themselves an oyster po'boy and realized there were no more oysters, I never saw such a reaction. That got their attention. And trust me, I'm not going to let you forget what that was like through the rest of this fight. Knowing the reason there was no more oysters does not take a Ph.D. in marine biology. Oysters cannot live in fresh water. Not to say that the Mississippi River is fresh water, it's dirty, polluted water. But it will drop the salinity to zero in the basin. The Mid-Barataria River Diversion is planned to be seven times the size of Niagara Falls pumping into one of the most sensitive and productive estuaries in North America. Suffice it to say, you can kiss your oyster industry goodbye in the state of Louisiana. Which, by the way, provides the majority of oysters to the rest of the country. So if you think that that won't have an economic impact on our state, you have another thing coming. Same thing with shrimp moving right along. 
Now, it's a bit more complicated scientifically with shrimp, and white shrimp will fare a little bit better with the influx of the polluted Mississippi River water, although you're going to have size issues. But brown shrimp, and again, I'll quote directly from the document, major permanent adverse impacts on brown shrimp abundance. Now, what this means is get ready to eat Chinese shrimp the rest of your life. And again, I'll read from the document. Adverse impacts on brown shrimp abundance would begin at the onset of operations. That means as soon as they turn this sucker on and last permanently throughout the 50-year analysis period. Any benefits on shrimp abundance in the project area associated with increased marsh habitat later in the period would not substantially alter the stated impacts on the shrimping industry. Now again, we'll go into greater detail when we have our shrimping expert episode, but I want the public to be aware. What makes Louisiana special? People in Ohio are not saying, let's visit New Orleans so we can eat frog legs. No, they're coming for a shrimp po' boy, raw oysters, grilled oysters. Our seafood-based tourism culture that is heavily marketed on the natural resources that this project and its twin in Mid-Breton will destroy. This is just incredible that anybody would even contemplate a project like this. Oh, and recreational fishermen don't think you're getting off that easy. And again, I'll quote from the document, there'll be moderate, permanent adverse impacts to you. You know, those pesky, invasive plant species that come along with the polluted Mississippi River water and hinder your access to your favorite fishing spot. And speckled trout, well, they're not a freshwater fish. But I digress and apologize. I get a little emotional. The next important section of the EIS we'll cover is the economic impacts. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this section in this episode, and we'll reserve it for our more detailed episode. But until then, in the interim, I want everyone to think about how much of the Louisiana economy is hinged upon the natural resources that these river diversion projects will destroy. From restaurants, tourism, hotels, waiters, waitresses, the income they earn and spend in our economy, conventions, festivals, seafood processing and distribution. It's incredible. And the negative economic impact will be devastating. We just witnessed, and again, I have to mention, in 2019 with the spillway opening, the governor of the state of Louisiana declared a $258 million economic fisheries disaster because of the damages caused by the polluted Mississippi River water. It's the same water in these diversions. It's not going to act any different in our basins. In fact, it's going to act worse. The spillway opening was at the northern perimeter of the Pontchartrain Basin. The Mid-Baratari and Mid-Breton large-scale river diversions will pump directly into the two most productive estuaries in North America that provide over 25% of the entire country's domestic seafood production. So think about that until we get to our detailed episode on the economic impacts. 
And last, but certainly not least, we'll talk about the section of the EIS that discusses marine mammals, your dolphins, your turtles. Now, this is going to be the shortest segment of this episode, and I see my producer's in there ready because she knows how I feel about this. What was done to avoid the full environmental review required under federal law in the National Environmental Protection Act because those reviews might present a problem for this project to actually get a permit was just, I'm beside myself. And all I can say is the CPRA, the environmental groups that support these diversion projects, and anybody else who thinks it's not important that according to NOAA's report that was just released, that it's not important you're going to kill an average of 34% of the dolphin population in Barataria Basin in any given year over the 50 years that this project operates. Now, I'm sorry, I know I get a little heated about this, but it's not because dolphins are cute. Dolphins are the top predator in the estuary. And you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that if the top of the food chain is dead and the bottom of the food chain, which is oysters, is dead, that everything in between will have a grave problem. All right, I'm going to quit talking about this now before I get too heated and we end up Facebook banned. I'll save it for our more detailed episode. But look, tune back in for episode two. Our special guest will be Louisiana's Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, and I can't think of anybody better to kick off our more detailed episodes in this series than the second highest elected official in the state of Louisiana, who's in charge of culture, tourism, and recreation. We'll have a great discussion about his thoughts on these diversion projects and what they'll do to our economy, as well as alternative projects that are cheaper, safer, more reliable, and will give us protection now and potentially keep us from wasting $4 billion on these experimental diversion nightmares. All right. I hope I didn't bore you to tears. Please tune back in. I'm going to have a cup of coffee or a cocktail, depending on what time of day you're listening. But I'm George Kavanagh, and this is the GCRC Network. Thanks for listening.